0: Hey everybody, how are you doing? Welcome to the I Said Podcast. This is episode number five, featuring my good friend, John Limbaugh. John is the co-owner of the Grafton Stone Mill. Grafton Stone Mill aims to provide Midwestern wholesale and retail customers with a variety of flowers and whole grains from locally grown and certified organic wheat and other grains. You can find information about the Grafton Stone Mill on www.graftonstonemill.com. Check them out on Facebook, Instagram, they supply a lot of grain to local restaurants and businesses, and they're doing something really cool for the community. You know, I really believe that this kind of movement is really refreshing to a lot of people. As we kind of talk about in the podcast here, that people want to buy local now. You know, people really want to support the guys who are doing it. You know, 20 miles away. Uh, There's a myriad of benefits to it, you know, not only socially, I feel like we feel more connected. I don't know if that's just a overly romantic sensation, but I noticed that a lot of people that when they support local businesses, there's a perhaps a greater sense of camaraderie and community there. And obviously supporting local businesses financially speaking, economically speaking, is a good move. So We talk about his business here, and we also talk about the image versus the reality of entrepreneurship. You know, we talk about what it's like to work your ass off to do something that you love all the time. And, you know, people think that starting, your own business just means kind of laying around and, oh, I get get to set my own hours. I have no boss. You know, yes, that's true. But in many ways, you have to work even harder than you would if you were, you know, Working at Menards or something. Um, you know, being a musician is very similar to being an entrepreneur in some way because you're the one who has to get up every morning and push yourself to do it. You know, nobody holds your hand to get better at what you're doing. Obviously, we all work together and we train each other to reach our goals individually and collectively. But at the end of the day, nobody else lifts those weights but you. So we talk a lot about that and we talk about John's experiences with running successful businesses, not so successful businesses, you know, what are some of the factors that define both of those realities, and we talk about what you can learn about working with other people, I think this is a huge highlight in this podcast, is relationships are everything, you know, obviously a lot of people become hermetical in some way, if that's a word, Uh, if it's not, I just made it up, and I like it, but you know, people like to think they're individualized, you know, that they don't need anybody, and that's not true. We all need each other, and we to, we're often we all working towards something, right, more or less. So how do we treat each other? You know, how important is that, again, to reach our goals collectively and individually, but also just to enjoy what we're doing? Because life is uh, very strange and often can be very difficult. So enjoy the podcast again you can find information about the grafton stone mill www.graftonstonemill.com you can visit their facebook page and their instagram account hope you enjoy this one and i would love to actually have john back on at some point in the future because we could have opened up another can of worms from any one of these questions that were dissected uh i feel like there's a lot here to talk about it's a fascinating world to me i've always been interested in people who kind of you know, take command of their own path by starting up their own band or business or whatever it is, Uh, have tons of respect for people who have the guts to do that, and just always been interested in it, so I really had fun with this one, hope you do too, take care. Okay, welcome Mr. Limbach. how are you this morning? Great, how are you? Doing well, we were just talking about... Engine Company number three. Fantastic breakfast. Fantastic breakfast. Order. Go eat there. <laughs> Absolutely. This podcast is there. unofficially, and by my choosing, supported by Engine Company number three. <laughs> so you mentioned that uh, this week was crazy busy it for was. you. Mm-hmm. Can you explain to us a little bit about what you're doing right now with your business and what your business is currently about?
1: Sure, so my business, my partner and I have a business that uh, we mill organic grains uh, for flour to bakeries restaurants and distilleries uh, right now throughout wisconsin and we've had it for just shy of two years and really starting to gain some traction and have a blast meeting great people making great contacts and feeling like we're making a difference in the food scene here in milwaukee and hopefully wisconsin and starting to get throughout the midwest oh yeah so you're doing like illinois minnesota now and iowa trying to get, get a little, out branch trying to get in there. there absolutely yeah especially in the uh distilling market
0: Sure. What's the market like for that? I mean, when you started it, was it something that you said, or you looked at and said, this isn't a whole, this isn't a saturated market. You know, this Mm -hmm. is something that I could actually clear a new path with.
1: It it felt like there was an opportunity here to own our home space near Milwaukee. There wasn't anyone that was really in the market here. Uh, There is over near Madison, certainly in the greater area, but we felt that we could own our space here, have a legitimate business that can grow and then just expand it further um, as time moves on. Right, right, right. And the, the way that I, we started the business was, neither my partner or I have an agricultural background, and, um, you know, I read an article in the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel in April of 16 about a guy down in Racine growing this heritage wheat, and I read the article and thought, well, that, that sounds kind of cool, that's an, that's an interesting deal, and uh, talked about Uh, with a friend of mine who's turned out to be my business partner and initially we thought we would just plant some of that wheat and that would just be a cool thing to do to grow something that hasn't been really ever grown in the state of Wisconsin and once we decided that that probably wasn't the right thing to do um, we thought there might be an opportunity in milling and uh, you know like I always say Google is your friend and we googled what that looked like what that would take you know what sort of competitors are around here what are people doing with this business around the country and we thought well there's an opportunity here in Milwaukee we can do this oh so that's how that's how we started it
0: what was the process like in committing to that I mean was this something that you were you wavering between other ideas uh, other startups at the time or was this pretty much no, like, I was, there was nothing really going on And there
1: was not a ton going on so I was you know saying to the universe, I'm open to something. Yeah. And it uh, steered me in that direction. And yeah, open to it and it was full steam ahead. Made some phone calls to uh, some farmers in the area to see if we could get anybody to buy into our concept and luckily found a really good partner here locally right off the bat and that helped us immensely learn the agricultural side of what we're trying to do. Right. And um, it's been sort of full steam ahead yeah
0: so you work a lot with farmers of course how is that i mean like what's it like because i mean you get to see their business in a way right i mean what's it like compared to yours i mean is there any um, similarities or are there any drastic differences in terms of seeing their market and seeing yours
1: well it's interesting in the organic space that we play in um, typically farmers love to plant corn and soybeans that's that's where they make their most money typically but as part of having an organic farm and organic farming plan you need to have different crop rotations you need to plant small grains um, just different legumes different you know lots of different things so they look at us as a ready market for some of those things that they need to plant as part of their overall plan so I need them for the grains just like they need me um, for their market. so it's a really symbiotic relationship right. works out super well for all of us and um, just really enjoy the farmers and seeing what they're doing and seeing them get excited about being able to see their grains, their crops in the local scene oh, as yeah. opposed to just putting it on a semi, goes off to some other mill in the middle of the country or overseas and they have no idea what they're doing. And now I can take my farmers to our restaurants and our bakeries and our distilleries and say, here's where your stuff is going. <laughs> and they think that's really cool because they've oh, yeah. been able to do that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's, um, that's a growing... I don't know if you view
0: it as a problem, but as far as like the kind of the corporate farming, I mean, I imagine that some of these small, small town farms, small town, small time, whatever, whatever you want to call it, these farmers that you work with, they probably look at you guys as kind of like a saving grace in a way. Absolutely, right? I mean,
1: for sure, yeah, because these fields, they always have to plant something different, and many times they'll just plant something or leave it fallow and then um, turn it under and leave it sit for a year, and then go back and you know plant those corn and beans. So they're really excited to have us because they're able to you know better work on their local farm environment by planting these different things right right yeah
0: so you've been working in your own businesses for how many years now
1: i started our first other business was back in 2007 so i've been i guess an entrepreneur for 10 or 11 years at this okay week. and what was it like leading up to that um always worked for somebody else worked for um a large corporation right out of college and then worked for um, an extended family business for about seven years which is really fun we uh, had a really interesting business from what 1998 to 2005 when I left and it continued on in uh, that's sort of where I learned to be like oh this entrepreneurship thing might be for me oh sure it's really fun And that uh, ultimately I'm not a good employee um, I'm not interested entirely in helping someone else build their business. I'd rather build my own.
0: Right, right. Yeah. Is that something that you had kind of felt in you for a while before yeah, starting your own business?
1: Absolutely. Um, one of my grandfathers was an entrepreneur and had his own masonry business, and then um, my father was an entrepreneur also. So I just really grew up around it and seeing that it, you know it was possible and you know watching huge successes, watching catastrophic failures and just hoping the, that you have just a few more fail a few more successes than failures and right being able to see it being done i think uh was a huge help in deciding i think i can do something like this right you know i think it's interesting
0: because i my idea of a lot of in- entrepreneurs are like you're saying people who really don't <laughs> want to work for other people mm-hmm. you know they don't yeah. they're not really happy about it and when they're doing it they're not really good with it mm-hmm. you know like you know being a, being a musician in some ways is kind of like halfway to that i believe i mean because you're obviously you're still working i mean we're all kind of well, working probably for somebody. further than halfway yeah maybe a little, bit, <laughs> a little bit further than halfway you know but we're, we're all still you know in, in in grand scheme of things we're all working for somebody more or less right mm-hmm. but but you know regardless you know we want to do it on our own because I hated working jobs, man, for other people. It's like I had the answer to this boss who's telling me to clock in and all that shit. You know, and right. with teaching, you know, it's it's somewhat similar, but I love what I do at least. Right. You know, so, and my mom has always been like that more or less. My mom had her own business for a couple of years. So I feel like that's has kind of always been mm-hmm. in me and I feel like that's probably, maybe it's a little bit too much of a fixed mindset, but the entrepreneurs have always had that kind of drive or that kind of default setting. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm sure there's people out there who, Love working for people, but at some point they said, oh, I'm going to go and totally tackle my own thing, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Um, well, the world needs both, right?
0: Right, absolutely. So with that said, though, what are some misconceptions about entrepreneurship as far as personality types or in terms of what's required to be successful, whatever that may mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, what are some main misconceptions that you've seen and have also had yourself
1: over the years? Oh, I think... <laughs> I think there's a lot of misconceptions. I think there's a misconception of that, um, you know, you can pick your own hours. I think there's a f- fun phrase. It's like, oh, I want to be an entrepreneur so I can only work half days. You can pick any <laughs> 12 hours you want. And that that's a good representation of you're just always at it. You, you, never, you never leave it. Right. Uh, even though you might not physically be doing something, it's always on your mind. Exactly. And I think people who aren't entrepreneurs, see entrepreneurs, and today you see a lot of successful entrepreneurs and you think there are only successful entrepreneurs, whether it's, you know, Facebook or the media or whatever, like you're just seeing successful. There right. are so, I mean, clearly many, 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 many more unsuccessful ones. Oh, yeah. And um, I think it's, there's a big misconception that, that it's easy to yeah. do. And it just never, it never ends, it never stops, it's always coming at you. Now we're in the building phase, you know, three, five, 10 years down the road it might be a different story. Uh, but right now we're just still getting after it. I think
0: that's anything you know where you have to kind of embark on your solo journey. You know, you might still be working with somebody, but at the end of the day, it's you who has to discipline yourself and drive mm-hmm. yourself to to get this done. You know, right. to to make this work. And I feel like the first couple of years, for several years, whatever of any endeavor such as that, there's going to be this. I always have to be engaged in this because if I don't. It will fail. Yeah, it, it's it's going to fail, and, and it's, it may never be to the point where I can just sit back and just kind of just watch it all from a distance. You know, same thing yeah. with, like, music. I mean, obviously there's musicians out there who get to a certain point where they don't really need to practice all the time. You know, they're, they're good enough where they can gig consistently and all that. And I'm sure it's the same thing with business where there's a point where you don't need to be, you know, in it every day. Every, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15 but it hours it takes a day. such
1: a long time to get there. And, and that goes back to what I'm saying about media and presenting entrepreneurs Is you, when you ultimately see someone being successful, you so often don't have any idea how many years it took to get to that position, right? right? You just see this end product where it's like, oh, that looks fucking amazing. I'm going to be an entrepreneur. <laughs> I, I'm going to live in that awesome yeah, I guess no. This is no problem. Right. You know? And I, I think we do a bad job. Of just saying how hard it is and just how much you need to live this every second of every day. Right, your whole life needs to be about it. Yeah, and if you don't wake up every day super stoked about what you're doing then you're just at you're behind the eight ball right from the start because it's just so hard.
0: Right. Have you had experiences like that where you started something up and you were just kind of like uh-uh and you kept going through it anyways and then for sure
1: and you realize you know a really good entrepreneur knows when to call it quits. Right. You should put a time and a date down and say, if it hasn't reached these milestones or these goals by this time, you got to cut it off. Oh, really? It's not going to work. It has Absolutely. to be that specific. I, I think if you should put a time out there and say, if we don't reach certain things by X, it's on to the next thing. Yeah. For sure. Because you'll just languish. You'll just spend way too much money. You'll beat yourself down. You'll tell yourself you're not any good. Like you just need to it is okay to say this wasn't the right one. Right, try something new. Try something new. Right. How hard was it to learn that? Or was
0: that something that you were always totally cool with?
1: It is hard to learn it because it's not human nature to like sort of sell a losing position, right? Yeah. No one wants to admit failure. and if, Even if you keep doing it, you know, shitty, you're still doing it and you can still tell people right. you're doing yeah, it right I'm, now. Still it. <laughs> I'm still in it. I'm still in it, it's gonna happen, it's gonna happen, well, right. it's probably not gonna happen. Right. But, you know, we all know when someone when, The expiration date has
0: passed. Well, and I think failure is such an essential part of the human experience, you know, and that's kind of in this microwave society where, again, we want everything now. We want it to be successful without any of the struggle. Mm -hmm. Failure is the last thing I think we want to embrace and feel good about. But, I mean, you look at all the, I mean, Jordan never lost a championship, but he got his ass kicked in the playoffs several years before he got there. Yeah. You know. I mean it's rare unless you got guys like Tom Brady you know who won it right away you know but it's, it's rare that you I mean in, in so many fields right. And, and when you don't fail you know when you don't
1: well then you have to have the crushing defeats to enjoy the fruits of your victory
0: right and it just it just gives you a greater awareness as to who you need to be what you need to do and, and, and what the standard is for excellence mm-hmm. um, is that something that you've also been aware of for a while like you know, when you're when you're working with the business that you're working with before you did your first mm-hmm. company, were you aware of, okay, there's a really high standard here that I need to operate on and I need to push myself to it. Or was it kind of just like, all right, let's just check this out and see how it goes. Or what was your drive like in that regard?
1: Uh, drive when I was working for someone else or, you know, your
0: drive to, let's say I want excellence, yeah. you know, um, and, but I'm also going to embrace failure.
1: Yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> funny when you say that, cause I'm like, I don't see myself as someone who strives for excellence. Yeah, <laughs> I, I have a hard time even grasping that concept. I guess my idea of striving for excellence is, you know, putting those goals and milestones out there and hitting them. And if that's then my definition of excellence, I guess that's what it is. Yeah. Um, so in those other businesses, working for someone else, they clearly had set those examples and set those expectations, not only for. The employees in the company but of themselves as individuals yeah so you see that and you say oh wow that's a lot of work <laughs> to do that i hope the payoff is ultimately worth it and yeah. i think that a lot of times about our business i'm like okay let's say we are wildly successful whatever definition that is has that really moved my needle does it has it will it meet all the hopes and dreams that i had of having a successful business right that's one of the scariest things yeah. About being a successful entrepreneur, Somebody's like, well, I hope it, I hope it meets what I hope I thought it was going to. Right, yeah. I was about to say, you know, with with the whole idea of
0: excellence, you know, that can be such a cloudy area for I think a lot of people, yeah. especially you know, in this kind of bizarre, everyone should be happy all the time, you know, period <laughs> in our culture. Um, striving for excellence can mean a million different things, and it can also be completely void of. Death or fulfillment. Mm-hmm. Um, but yet, we still want to do a good job and we still want to meet our goals because that's what's going to make us, well, that's what we think is going to make us fulfilled. Mm-hmm. So, how do you do that, but also still stay relaxed and present in the moment where it, it feels good? Like it's stress, it's a healthy stress level, of course, because there's going to mm-hmm. be and it's got to be. Yeah. But to the point where it's not like I'm, I'm going insane here. <laughs> you know Yeah, what I'm I think
1: it's like anything. I think you spend time surrounding yourself with people and things that you really enjoy and get a lot of fulfillment out of so you can take that back to your work and use that as to i guess lean up against right when things are tough you it's know. fuel you know? it is fuel yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely and um you know we should all be doing more yoga we should all be meditating more and doing more mindful activities so when we are in those places where it gets tough again we have something to go back to and you know just breathe breathe through this right it's it's gonna be fine more than likely right because how many
0: stories have you heard of people flaming out because they just were on 10 all the time right you know never knew when or how to scale it back so yeah. that they could actually come back to the world with a little bit more focus and
1: yeah, we don't do a good, we don't do a good enough job helping others understand that that's like a huge part yeah of the life in general but of certainly entrepreneurship. Like these are, these are hard, lonely places, islands that you're gonna be on sometimes. Right, yeah, I think, yeah, we, we
0: look at work ethic now as like, you just, I mean, it's probably always been like this maybe since the industrial age. I don't mm-hmm. know, I'm, I'm not really well-versed <laughs> in my history like that, I should, I, should be, I should be speaking about it. But you know, like there's, it's the it's the classic thing, you should just work hard no matter what. I mean, you know, you just, you go suffer, suffer right. to work, you know, or work right. to suffer, you know, that whole thing, and like that doesn't have to kind of defeat the purpose of starting up your own you know your own endeavor your own enterprise right. is like right. this you know obviously it's gonna be hard work but i want to do this because it's more fun than working for that guy
1: correct you know yeah i mean as an entrepreneur like i don't necessarily want to enrich somebody else right rich myself whatever that <laughs> enrichment is right right so
0: how is you work with outpost right i mean you guys deliver grain to outpost and i,
1: I would love to deliver grains to outpost okay where a competitor of ours does oh gotcha, <laughs> gotcha. yeah how, how do you work with that
0: i mean how do you i mean because Going back to music, I mean, there's a lot of similarities between music and, yeah. and, and your field, you know. So how is it working with competition? Because if I look at a competitor, you know, if I look at people's competition, and it's true, do I agree? Mm-hmm. You know, these people are getting jobs that I may not be getting. Yeah. But I also can't be like, ah, oh, fuck you, you know, and you're right. taking my job. It's like, how do you define that healthy sense of competition? So I think
1: competition, depending on the saturation of your market makes determines like your outlook on competition. I know our competitor out in Madison has been at this for years and he's done a really good job of sort of spreading the word and the vision of local organic grains into our food systems. So he's made our job immensely easier because he's been out talking about this for years. And I think this market, whether it's Wisconsin and growing out further than this, is there's so much room for growth and people want to do eat local healthier, have better options so competition in our standpoint there is it's it's really good there's room for us and probably more oh really so i don't mind our competition now that's that's the that's the grand scheme now we have accounts that i know that we're directly competing against our competitor and you know it comes down to like any competition pricing service quality product all of those things uh, so it's a little bit of like a Samsung Apple relationship on some level okay. as well Where it's like and, and we we buy grain and buy service from our competitor, right? Um, kind of have to right kind of have to right until we're fully scaled up and we're
0: getting there Is that a common practice in businesses, you know, where you're, you're you kind of buy from your competitor to a certain point? I think
1: so until you get to a certain point that right. you just obviously don't need to but as you're growing you need to manage your cash manage your capital expenditures manage your equipment and if you can't do it all you're going to have to lean on others and chances are they're going to be your competition yeah you know so and you just never want to say anything bad about your competition these worlds are so small especially right. nowadays with social media like you just can't have private conversations or say anything bad about anybody right it just gets it, around it, it, too it quick i'm sure around. i'm sure the music industry as well oh yeah man oh yeah you know it's like especially
0: you know being in a small enough town. You know, if we were in L.A. or New York, you know.
1: I bet we'd be surprised how small they are as well. When you get Yeah, those. you know, I bet you, you know,
0: the community might be smaller than we think, despite its city size. Right. You know, here in Milwaukee, it's like everybody knows each other. Yeah. You know, and everybody in some way, well, not everybody, but you know, most people know each other, and most people have heard or studied or seen their musician on their instrument. Like, how many drummers have I seen play live, or a couple that I've studied with, and it's the same thing is, like, I don't directly see them as competition because I'm not mm-hmm. out there like trying. I'm not. I'm not that drunk kid right there saying, "Oh, I got to be better than my teacher," you know, because I got,
1: like, there, I never have that. Mm-hmm. But I think but the reality time. is, I think that every day about our competition. Do you? Yeah. I'm like, how we, How can I be better? Yeah. How can I deliver a better product faster with better quality every time of that work? It's a tough thing, man, because it's like
0: I. In some sense, it makes total sense to think like that. Mm-hmm. but Then, of the token. Feel like if you're not if you're not beating your competition, all of a sudden it becomes like this unhealthy drive. Have you have you experienced that side where it's like the kind of suffering that always focused on competition may bring? I don't know. Maybe it's different for music. You know, where it's like if I'm looking at another musician and, and I'm thinking about him in particular and how I got to be better than him mm-hmm. and how he's not good,
1: mm-hmm.
0: then I'm kind of always at this like attack and defend kind of mentality. Right. Um, I don't know if that's different in, in what yeah, you do. you know. I would imagine it is. I guess it,
1: I guess it varies. A lot of times, you just can't care what your competition is doing. You just need to put your head down and do what you do and do it really fucking well. Right. Because it ultimately doesn't matter what your competition is doing. The you more control, time you spend anyways. thinking about them is time that you should be spending on your own product and your own vision. Right. So, um, you know, on some level, it's a waste of energy. Right. So you just have to sort of say, no matter what I'm doing, I'm doing it to the best of our ability. And let the chips fall where they may. Right. Yeah, but that's a good point, too, on
0: the, on, the, on the other side of the coin is that, I mean, you have to be aware of what else is out there because otherwise, you know, if I just show up, this gig, <laughs> like, well, I don't know, there's no fucking standard here. I'm just going to go and just wing and, it. But yeah, I'm not going to get a call back you know, right. for that. So, absolutely. I'm curious to know what exactly do you do and what exactly does your business partner
1: do? Yeah, great question. I look at myself, you know, we're a small business, certainly. So I look at myself, I'll put a label on it, as the CEO CEO and the COO. So I sort of have the vision of the company, yet I'm the one milling and directing what's happening. And I would say my partner is the CFO, and you know, bigger corporate structures, a lot of times the CFO certainly is the guy running the business because he's handling the purse strings and managing the money and the cash flow and all those types of things. So we have really delineated duties. Mm-hmm. absolutely and uh, yeah, again I'm just sort of in it making it happen every day you know going out and getting new accounts servicing the ones that we have managing relationship relationships with the farmers thinking about what we're putting in the ground right now for next year and the year after that working with our customers to find out what their needs are going to be you know over the next months and years and organic grain is different than conventional grain because there's really no elevators that hold on to organic grain throughout the year so we need to make commitments to our farmers you know a year in advance and pay them when the stuff comes out of the ground as opposed to conventional farming where you can go to an elevator and just buy the grain you need for that month per se well so it's a, a little bit tougher just because organic grains are so small it's a lot more of an investment it is more of an investment. It's just a lot more planning. I just can't call somebody up and say, "Hey, I need you know 10,000 bushels." Well, that's not going to work.
0: Right. You know. Why is organic graining so much more? Is it more expensive? I imagine than your standard.
1: Oh, well, it's certainly it's it's more expensive to purchase certainly because yields are lower in the fields because you're not you know using Roundup and other conventional herbicides, pesticides, right. herbicides, fertilizers to you know get these massive. Yields out of a field per acre. So organic is much smaller, and a farmer needs to get X per acre in terms of dollars. So it's just math, right? If you're only going to get thirty bushels an acre, if you normally get a hundred, well, it's going to be three times the price. Right. Right. So it is more expensive and it's more labor intensive, and uh, it, but it is just a more natural way of farming.
0: And I, yeah, I think we're seeing in recent times the like you mentioned earlier the resurgence and in interest in local. Mm-hmm fruits, vegetables, grains, and in particular, the organic mm-hmm. versions of those. Yep. Um, so I think it's great to have something like that where we're trying to realize, oh, we don't need to go with the big guy, and right. the big guy is not know. really that good for us. You yeah. know, It's yeah. not like, hey, fuck the man type thing, but it's like, mm, this might be a better avenue, and it, and it supports local yeah. businesses and, right. and in turn helps the local economy, right? Correct. How in tune are you with, those aspects of of, of well, it organic drives, farming,
1: yeah, it drives us every day. Right, that's what we think about every day. Is how can we take local products from local farmers and inject them into the local food system? Right. right.
0: So you're paying attention to the trends of you know, what, people, what people are. You have to pay attention to the demands of your market. Right. Absolutely.
1: You know? you know, when we initially started the business, we thought bakeries and restaurants and the home baker would be. The biggest part of our business that was yeah. I thought that would be natural, but as we've gotten into this, um, craft distilling has exploded in this country and certainly in Wisconsin. Yeah. And we're finding out that's a that's going to be a main driver for our business. And again, that's just following the trends. So we're always going to stay true to restaurants and bakeries here because that's really fun to go eat amazing bread, sure. eat fantastic fried chicken at the Tandem. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> so those are great, but then the flip side is like, oh, I can't wait to go drink some vodka from Great Lakes Distillery. Yeah, yeah. That we, you know, know was grown and harvested right in Grafton. Well, you know,
0: I got a really basic, probably the most basic version of that, and I think millions of people can relate to, is when you grow your own vegetables or mm-hmm. whatever in your right. garden and you pick it. It's like, oh, and you get to see it grow from the start. You know, there's something about like seeing your creation that you know you rely on the earth for yeah. to develop over a period of time and then you finally see the end result and you like holy shit. there's i don't know there's just something well, how beautiful how much about
1: more it, did you it. enjoy what you grew in your garden this summer right oh yeah it was it was amazing it was a like, to see it to, again to see it like
0: I, I mean i planted those things when they were like an inch tall yeah, like, and you took
1: me out there you're like john look at this yeah look what's happening
0: here <laughs> like you don't do that when you go to outpost like, right your yeah i look at the, <laughs> the cauliflower talking to the next person in mind oh check this out <laughs> did you see what this guy grew <laughs> yeah, yeah i saw that you see that car? wow it's incredible Oh, maybe. maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I wanted to backtrack a little bit and talk about relationships. You know, what have you learned about working with people in starting your own businesses?
1: I'm a relationship person, so I'm really good at relationships, but I can't believe just how critically important they are. Yeah. Like, they're, other than working your ass off all the time, they're, they're the whole thing, whether it's relationships with your employees, relationship with your farmers. Like you just have to be your best self all the time with the people that are in and support your business. Right. To be honest and supportive. and Honest and forthright. Yeah. yeah. Care about them. Genuinely care uh, because ultimately where they're at in their life is going to affect you and your business. Oh, yeah. Um, just need to be a good person. Just be a good person. Yeah. it'll take care of itself. Well, you know,
0: I worked for a company. This is another show. We, we were shouting out like 10 businesses here. Alpha, Tandem, Magic in number three. Well, the next one is uh, it's called the Nutman Company. Okay. It's out in i uh, was it Hubertus by Holy Hill. Mm-hmm. And um my my friend Frank Campana owns it and runs it, and I worked for him for like six months, mm-hmm. and he knows it, and so it's not like no secret if you ever listen to this but I hated that job. <laughs> I fucking hated it, man, with a passion.
1: Yeah.
0: What were you doing? I was going to sell like nuts and candies at like flea markets and yeah. like hospitals, like these like corporate fundraiser events and like, you know, I'd be sitting at a desk for hours like in this hospital lobby, just like wearing a, <laughs> can you imagine me doing yeah. that? I was like wearing like a you know like dress, you know, slacks and like a dress shirt. And, and... Ask me about my nuts. Right, yeah, yeah. It, you know, <laughs> <show up> these <laughs> notes. Um, and I couldn't stand it, you know. Yeah. But I learned more working there than I ever had from any other business because yeah. that guy and we're good friends to this day, and I still help him out on his property. He loves what he does mm-hmm. so much. I had never seen anybody who loved what they did to that degree. He just yeah. loved working hard and doing a good job, and it wasn't about selling nuts. Like he didn't love candies. Right. It was about oh, this is a, this is a product and this is a service that people really enjoy. Yeah. And like he had started way back in the seventies and you know, it's a long story. But my point is is that though I hated the job, his love for life and work and doing a good job and mm-hmm. like making people feel good about their good job, yeah, was profoundly effective in how I've carried myself going forward in terms mm-hmm. of how I wanna work when I'm working with people or for people.
1: Have you ever told him that?
0: Well, maybe not in those exact words, but okay. you know, yeah. I, I got pay a payable call, I've been meaning to call him too. But, you know, it was huge. Like, so it was an interesting, like, yin-yang experience. Like, I hated the work with the passion. But I loved him and what he had taught to a degree. That I was like, okay, yeah, this is a is Well, like he's probably a great leader, right? Incredible leader, man. Yeah. He makes everything, I mean, I think some people disagree, but, you know, some people, it's not their style, but... I feel like he makes everybody feel really appreciated. Like he goes out of his way to like, let you know, Hey, you're doing a great job. And he's really direct. And like, he's just an incredible businessman, like in mm-hmm. a great leader and just somebody who's all about like, yeah, you, you can do a good job. Like he believes in people to a degree that I've never seen people yeah. believe in them. Yeah. You know, so, and I've worked for, like i worked for a local pizza shop too, for a while, which is cool. You know, he the guy the guy had a very similar, you know, maybe not as eccentric and extroverted, but he had a similar character where he like really believed in his employees and, So I say all that because you're talking about relationships and how important they are in making these things work, Mm -hmm. to have that kind of positive support because we've all seen businesses, whether it be big or small, where the management is kind of like snotty and they're dishonest and they're not and they just they're not they don't handle relationships well. Right. And what does that do to the product? It makes it worse, right?
1: Absolutely. It shows up in so many different ways and ultimately, you know, unless you're the only player in a certain market is more than likely going to fail right right yeah
0: so how have you handled challenges on the other on the other side of that like when things aren't going so well between you and somebody you're working with Mm -hmm. is it difficult to communicate hey this is what needs to change because this isn't working
1: yeah or i guess in those instances you just have to you know really dig deep and have just hard, honest conversations. And if you've surrounded yourself with good people initially, whether it's employees, competitors, or partners, as long as you establish that up front that we're going to have hard conversations and let's take some of the emotion out of it. Right. And, you know, ultimately everything's going to be okay. We just have to address what's in front of us. Right. And you do it professionally and you're probably going to come out on the other side of it with a better relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, have you seen those experiences in your life where it was a really tough time with you know a business partner or with a competitor or with, um, you know, uh, I want to say a coworker, where, oh, shit hit the fan, mm-hmm. and we got through it, and we worked even better afterwards?
1: Yeah, absolutely. We uh, <laughs> Boy, I, I guess I can't go with a specific example right off the top of my head, but it happens all the time. And I, you know, certainly have business partners that I'm – not in contact with anymore after failed businesses but i know that we still have a good relationship and we could reestablish that if we needed to you just you know need to go about it all smartly right be a pro about it be honest about it and then you'll never look back on it with any regret or any feeling like i didn't act in my best self right right through those times and be secure in how you handle those situations as long as you do them honest and you know real right right
0: you know we we're just talking about relationships but what have you learned about yourself through doing this
1: that's a an entire another podcast <laughs> so. um, part two <laughs> yeah ask it differently i guess yeah well you know I mean, i've learned a million things about myself yeah yeah that's i uh, think that's what, way too in, in this question. particular business what has been fun is having the partner that I have, I always thought that I was the less emotional, that I wasn't emotional. I could have, you know, not a lot of emotion going into decisions or reactions to things that have happened, and I found out, oh, no, I'm absolutely far more emotional than I thought that I was, so that was a a wake-up call. Oh, like when shit's about to hit the fan, you kind of like... Yeah, I react more emotionally than I thought. I thought I was steadier than I them turning out to be yeah. so there's good awareness around that i thought that um i was the more pragmatic one and that's clearly not the case so i'm learning things constantly about me yeah um, all the time I'm, ex- I'm i've learned that i'm far more resilient than i thought that i was uh so that's that's been a fun discovery um i've
0: yeah <laughs> yeah i imagine because you you have to you know, I guess just in life in general, but in particular with such intense endeavors such as this, you have to learn how to manage your state all the time. Right. Because these decisions, like, you know, once, I mean, Maybe it might be dramatic, but one slip of a decision could really tank things.
1: Oh, absolutely. For a while. We, got, we could decide to plant something that we think there's going to be a big market for, and there's no market for it, well, that's a disaster. Yeah. And you know, I've constantly got things going on in the back of my mind about the business and nervous about business, but I certainly can't project any of that outwardly until I know something concrete to my partners and farmers and all these relationships that we have, like. You know, if shit is gonna hit the fan, absolutely you have to have those discussions. Right. But until it actually does, it's like you need to manage that internally yeah. and you know, have this outward show of we've still got our shit together. Right. There's nothing for you to worry about. Don't worry about this. We will pay you. You will come <laughs> get it, you will we will deliver it to you, all of those things. Even though in the back of your mind you're like, Holy shit, I don't know how we're gonna do that. Right, right. Yeah,
0: how have you taken calculated risks? I mean, like, in what ways have you taken risks where it was like, this would usually go against my habitual judgment. Yeah. Um, and this is how I would usually take a risk.
1: Yeah, I guess you just look at the situation and say if it goes as bad as it possibly could, you know, what are the chances of that? And if that does happen, you know, that's really bad. But would you still do it? Yeah, and you would say, well, I probably wouldn't do it if the worst thing absolutely happened. And you say, well, if it worked out as best as it possibly could, is, it, is, it, is that worth it then? So like, there's this middle ground where you just sort of have to, I mean, I trust my gut a lot, yeah. um, probably more than I should. And that's why I have a partner that's you know, great with hard, concrete numbers, because I'm, I'm far more gut than uh, he would be. Right. In, um, you know, and, and frankly, ultimately, I don't have a lot to lose where um, that sometimes makes it easier to roll the dice, I guess, a little bit. Sure. Which is then why I'm glad that I have a partner that does have more to lose, and is like, oh, slow your roll on yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. How, how important is that to
0: have somebody who balances you it's out? Really, or any, because... I think it's
1: really important, whether it's your life partner or your business partner. Right. Um, for me, I want to try and, like live my life you know, with with highs and lows, but just not super high and just not super low, right? right? So if I've got a partner that's vibrating on my same frequency, well, then we're just stuck there all the time, whether that's high or low. So there's always this, you know, ebb and flow of emotions and, you know, where we're at. And the closer we can stay on that, you know, mid-level is probably where we need to be. So we're looking at things that are positive, in a positive light, but not, you know, over the moon about it or, you know, too excited about it, and the same thing when things aren't going so well. Where you can be like, "Oh, it's over. We'll never recover from this." Well, you probably
0: will. Right, in some way, you know, yeah, you will.
1: It's gonna be fine.
0: Right. Yeah, I think that balance is important because I mean, like it's, that's gonna be an understatement of the century, you know, but. But I think like my mom ran her own business. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting to see her, her and her boyfriend ran it. And they're very similar in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's interesting to see that kind of dynamic, because can you imagine what your business would have been like if, or your, what your business would be like if you were as analytical, and, yeah. or as like numbers based as your, as your business right. partner, or like, you know, even if you were still doing what you were doing, if you like have like somebody of the same characteristics and mindset as your partner, or, or you know, vice versa.
1: Right, we wouldn't want two of me. That would be bad. I probably don't need two of my partner as well.
0: Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's like the same, same thing as a band, you know. It's like you yeah. got, like, four, three, four people who are, like, running at the same wavelength. <laughs> it's like this, it might be great for a while, but when it goes down, <laughs> because,
1: you know, because nobody has the... <laughs> you can look in history and look at all those bands. We can start
0: to name them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, or teams, you know. It's like Absolutely. Yeah, there, there's so many cl- classic examples where there was like, there's, like, this too many of the same mm-hmm. person involved. And when things go great, they're great because everybody like, gets it, to- like, totally gets it. And everybody's riding the same wave, like you're saying. When, when things start tanking, who's going to be the person who has that different perspective yeah, that can kind of balance it ship. out? Yep. Right, right, right. Yeah, man, I, I think it's. Uh, I've always been fascinated by starting enterprises, businesses, bands, because there's something that's exciting about totally going to the unknown and being in control of your own
1: yeah.
0: destiny in a way. Absolutely. Um, at the same time, it's also really easy to get this courage because, like you were saying, you have to rely, in a lot of ways, entirely on yourself, mm-hmm. right? So, I mean, when you wake up, what's your mindset like? Do you wake up and say, yep, yeah, I got this today? I totally... Or or, or is it kind of a, just an automatic thing for you now? Or do you really have to prime yourself?
1: I do get up every day and think about what I know that has to happen. I'm like, well, get after it today. Yeah. You know, today is a brand new day. It's not yesterday. It's not tomorrow. You've got what has to happen today and you go out and you kill it today yeah and then you know tomorrow you put that day behind you and all you can really do is today even though I talk about lots of planning in the future and that type of thing but you know when you're planning for the future that day well that's what you're doing that day right so I just try to just try to amp up for every day and uh, it's maybe getting a little bit more automatic than it used to be but things are just so varied when you're a small company you're doing such, such different things that um, I do amp up each day for what that day is going to bring or right. what I think it's going to bring.
0: Then I think that's the ultimate confidence builder because people mm-hmm. don't get confidence from planning goals in the future. I mean right. in some way of course yeah right but I mean it's, well, it's always,
1: always fun to go check 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 right got right. this one got this Yeah I'm one. doing
0: this got this you know I did this yes you know those are all things to help us remind us of you know where we've been who we've been where we're going right but it's ultimately today right that always builds this sense of yeah i'm, I'm doing it i can do it today yeah. um yeah the only reason that you're going to be able to do it tomorrow is because you did it today right? yeah yeah and i think yeah, that confidence is always found in the moment rather than always wanting it to be something that's going to happen for us or to us in the future right um how would you teach that in entrepre- young entrepreneurs, like, let's say there was a young, you know, like a nineteen-year-old, twenty-year-old, whatever, who, you know, let's say it was, you know, really mature and, and mm-hmm. driven to do their own thing. What would be some key points to emphasize to them?
1: That if you don't wake up every day so excited about what you're planning on doing, do something else. Not gonna work. It's not gonna work. That would be number one. Um, I would say unless they're totally exceptional individual like go out at that age and get some more experience go work for people go see how other people do it see other people being successful see other people failing um, you know depending on the, the endeavor that you're looking at maybe the first one's a little bit of a smaller scale sure um, so that's what I would think Then it's like the big piece of advice though is you've got to just be 100% in it Yeah. it's all encompassing there is no I'm just going to start a business <laughs> 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 yeah, you know, I've always been
0: Caesars, and, and uh, <laughs> uh,
1: here's the other piece of advice: is like starting a business is a lot more fun than running a business. Oh yeah, I said. You know, once it's up and rolling, it's like, huh, sort of that creative. What are we going to do? How are we going to do this? Is gone. Now we're just doing it. Right. And um, as an entrepreneur, that can be tough. Right. You know, you've got to put the right people into place to, to do those daily activities that, as an entrepreneur, you're not necessarily built for. Yeah. And, uh, that's why you know, so often the entrepreneur builds a business and puts the team in place and is out there as the CEO, you know, trying to execute a vision, come up with new vision that you know, meshes with the ideals that you form this business on and, uh, to keep yourself excited about doing it because it's not necessarily exciting to go you know, make the widget and put the widget in the box. It's more fun to think about, how am I going to do this widget? Who wants my widget? Right. There's a Motorhead song called The
0: Chase is Better Than the Catch. That's (laughs) That's exactly, for so much in life, right? Right. You know, the new band, the new relationship.
1: Well, I've spent a lot of my life hunting and fishing and we always say, you know, the fun stops after the gun goes off, right? (laughs) Well, now I've got to do it, now I've got to do it. (laughs) Then we go get the corpse. (laughs) It was a lot more fun figuring out how this was all
0: going to happen. Right, right. What are some key experiences that you've had that have added to your life and what you do now and has also just really grounded you to be the person that says i love doing life (laughs) you know i love i love being here i love doing what i do you know what were some of the key experiences in the past and what do you do now
1: yeah i think growing up watching um, my dad as an entrepreneur and our social circle just a lot of entrepreneurial people as a kid i was watching you know my friends moms and dads running businesses so i was around it all the time so that was really instructive and forming hmm, I think that's how I want to be and taking that then further to where like where we are now it's just my relationships with my friends who I call my family that I derive a lot of pleasure fuel to you know do this thing called entrepreneurship yeah uh, so that's that's what fills me up there so I've but definitely say, you know, watching it being modeled to me over the years was instructive on how I think we can do this.
0: Right, right. How do you operate? I Because mean, you have a lot of friends who are also entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. correct? Yep. Um, how is it working with them? Do you guys ever, not collaborate necessarily to, to create something together, but do you ever brainstorm with each other and give feedback? How important is that community?
1: It is really important because, again, entrepreneurship is really hard and you're on this island and People ask you how things are going, but they ultimately don't really care. Yeah. Um, You know, maybe your mom does, but that's really about (laughs) it. So you've got to go to other entrepreneurs and talk about like how this really fucking sucks today. Yeah. Or how it's really great, or help me navigate this. You know, let's talk about marketing. I'm not a big marketer, so let's talk about this. Or, you know, I'm not not a big accounting guy, so help me out with this because you can't do it all on your own. And you ultimately just can't be calling people and paying for stuff all the time. So it's like right. you've got to tap into this other group of smart people that are finding different ways to get things done and leverage those relationships. Right. Yeah, I think um, that's why I love
0: talking to farmers, you know, because or you know, people like yourself, you know, because it's it's a similar level of activity it's a similar life path mm-hmm. but they're also dealing with completely different variables than i am but it's similar enough where i can really learn a lot from having these kind of conversations
1: yeah you can wa- have those conversations and watch how they carry themselves and right. how they how they do things i've always loved learning from people who are really doing it
0: mm-hmm. you know it's like i I'm, I'm blessed enough to have a lot of people in my life who are really kicking ass you know who are really you know and if they're not they're at least going for it
1: and they're kicking ass and they're not half-assing it right you just it was like wow these guys are in it every day this is the this is the level
0: of commitment it takes to to get this result right so to close it up here what are some of your goals personally and business-wise for 2018
1: personally is to you know is sort of uh, had this conversation last night with somebody is it's not so much i want to think of new things to do in 2018 it's it's more of a continuation for me of 2017 because it was so awesome yeah so personally it's like continuing to develop really deep intimate relationships with a close-knit group of people and every once in a while going out and picking a new person here and there and be like oh i think you should be in our circle like you're one of us this is just (laughs) really fun And developing those relationships is huge business-wise I think I want to stay on the same path that we've been working at for a year and a half to two years and continuing to bring on new farmers to give them new markets for their things want to take it to you know all the customers that we have and continue to provide them really good service and have them continue ordering that's like our best barometer is everyone that's ever ordered from us is still continuing to order from us. Like That's just really a great feeling. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. So, you know, stay on the path that we're at and be smart about what we're doing. Be, you know, intentional about what we're doing and just have faith every day that like what we're doing matters to people and businesses around our area. Absolutely. Now, do you guys have a website? We do have a website, okay, GraftonStoneMill.com. We dot Grafton You can buy our flour right online. <laughs> you got a Facebook page? <laughs> we do have a Facebook page, okay. And we have an Instagram account at CraftandStoneMill. Wonderful.
0: Yeah. Now, are people that you, are people that you're working with, posting their products that they're using, they like are they sharing. You know, if I go with a tandem, yep. You know, they're like, hey, this is from Grafton Stone Mill. They do. Okay. Yep absolutely awesome check us out on
1: instagram you know hashtag grabs and stone Mill. you'll see some stuff up there yeah Uh, it's good stuff people are doing amazing things awesome yeah
0: well thanks for doing this man i think what you're doing is awesome and i love and respect what you do i think it's fantastic so thanks for having this conversation
1: well thanks for having me and let's do it again in a year and see if we're still around
0: absolutely (laughs) thank you